Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Looking at Jonah chapter 3 and particularly the theological issue of change related to God. Does God change? Uh, Up to this point in the book of Jonah, we have seen God commission Jonah to go to Nineveh with a message of judgment for the people. We have seen Jonah disobey the Lord and flee into the Mediterranean Sea. God pursued him with a storm. The men threw him overboard. He was swallowed up by a giant fish, and then within the belly of the fish, prays to the Lord, asking for the Lord to save him. The Lord delivers him. The fish spits him up onto land. And at the beginning of Jonah chapter 3, we've seen how uh, God commands Jonah once again to go to the city of Nineveh and take a message of judgment for the people. Jonah takes this message to the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh hear the message, receive it, and they believe, they repent, they change their actions. The king of Nineveh even takes actions. And as a result of this, Jonah chapter 3, verse 10 says, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So the question at hand is, does God change his mind, and does this reveal any kind of change in the being, the person of God? I think the place we need to start is the consistent uh, characterization of God throughout Scripture as being immutable or unchangeable. Several different scriptures that highlight this are found throughout the Old and New Testaments. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, for example, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So this verse very clearly tells us That God doesn't lie. God doesn't change his mind. When God says he's going to do something, he fulfills it. He brings it about. 1 Samuel 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he is not a human being that he should change his mind. Psalm 102, verses 26 and 27. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded. But you remain the same and your years will never end. So in the Old Testament, we see very clearly that God is described over and over again as consistent in his character. The the authors of scripture are very clear. He does not change in many regards. In fact, in all regards. He is contrasted with human beings who change their minds repeatedly. He does not change his mind. He does not change what he has determined. In James chapter 1 and verse 17 in the New Testament, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. The doctrine of God is immutable 
is something that's very important for uh, the consistency of the biblical text. God's word is tied to his character and his person. His word is true because God and his person is unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and into the future. And so his word we can rely on as sure and consistent. So that's the place that we start with God in his character is unchanging. Now, if God does not change, how can this passage in Jonah chapter 3 be regarded as uh, honest and truthful? How can he change his mind, so to speak, toward Nineveh? I think the answer, the, the best solution lies in the way that we see this from two differing perspectives. The change in regard to uh, God's plan toward Nineveh comes from a human perspective. God is not changing his ultimate divine plans for the world. Those are already fixed. He already knows what's going to happen before it takes place. But from Jonah's perspective and from the perspective of the people of Nineveh, the message for Nineveh to repent or be destroyed is now being altered. It's being revoked. The, the message of judgment is being taken back and replaced with a message of forgiveness and, and mercy. So from the human perspective, it seems as though God is changing. But this is only from where we sit and how we see the entire situation. If we were to look at it from God's perspective, God knew all along that he never was going to punish Nineveh because Nineveh would repent. Well, some might say, isn't this a little deceptive on God's part? Isn't he sort of playing around with the people, knowing that they're already going to repent beforehand? Uh, why would he pronounce a message of judgment against them? I think we can say this is not deceptive on God's part because God did have every intention of judging the city of Nineveh if they had not repented. So what he is pronouncing to them, the message that Jonah is taking to them, is a message that says, uh, repent, you will be judged. But at the same time, because they received that message in faith, believing it, and because they uh, repented and changed their ways, God was pleased to have mercy on them, extend mercy to them. Because they did repent, he showed mercy, which he always, from the divine perspective, intended to do. So from the perspective of Jonah and the people of Nineveh and humanity, it seems here that God is changing his mind, altering his course of actions. Yet from the ultimate divine perspective, God has always known what would occur, and he knew that it would be this message of judgment that would be the catalyst to cause the people of Nineveh to repent so that he could extend his mercy toward them. God has always known what would occur. He knows all potentialities, and he knows what the reality will be. 
I think of Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24, that reveal to us uh, the omniscience of the Lord in a way that we don't necessarily always think about it. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, uh, then Jesus began to reproach the cities uh, in which most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to the heavens, will you? You shall descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Now, Jesus is revealing uh, a theoretical omniscience, an omniscience of uh, potential or possibility. So he knows here even the hypothetical realities that could have been if other things had taken place that did not necessarily take place. So he says, if the miracles that he had done in these New Testament cities had been done in the Phoenician cities of Tyre and Sidon with all these Gentiles, the Gentiles would have believed and repented. Now, that is a huge knock against the Jewish people in these Galilean cities. And he also says, if the miracles that were done in Capernaum had been done in the Old Testament city of Sodom from the book of Genesis, that they would have repented and would have remained until this day. How can Jesus say this? I mean, he's not just saying this flippantly. This is a knowledge of hypothetical realities or potentialities that have not necessarily occurred or taken place. So God knows all potential worlds, all potential realities that could occur, and he knows what really will take place and here in the situation of Nineveh, he knows the possibility that they could have repented or could have continued in their sin. But he knew from beforehand that upon hearing the message that Jonah took, they would repent and he would forgive them. And so he knew that he would extend his mercy to them beforehand. This is no true change in the character or person of God. The change takes place from the human perspective in the activities of God, and yet even in that, his actions remain consistent. He desired to show mercy to Nineveh the entire time. A couple points of application from Jonah chapter 3. The first point is that God's plans, his sovereign plan, will be accomplished. It will come to fulfillment. In Jonah chapter 1, Jonah goes out of his way to not take the message that God commanded him to take to Nineveh. He did not want to see the people of Nineveh repent and believe. Why? Well, we'll find out in Jonah chapter 4, but we know that Jonah uh, did not want this to occur. Nevertheless, God worked with the prophet and used the storm, the sailors, 
the casting of Jonah into the sea, the swallowing by a giant fish, all of these things were used to accomplish God's ultimate purpose of taking this message of judgment to Nineveh so that this would be the catalyst for the people of Nineveh uh, coming to repentance and faith as a result of, of what's going on here. So God's sovereign plan will be accomplished even through uh, the sinful actions of human beings. Uh, Jonah's wicked actions could not prevent God's master plan from being fulfilled. Secondly, God can use even sinful, imperfect people such as Jonah to accomplish his perfect desires. Jonah is a prophet kicking and screaming against what the Lord wants him to do in this book. But God uses him in spite of himself, in spite of the prophet himself, and uh, through that imperfect vessel allows his word to be magnified and made great. So that's a great uh, comfort for us today in our Christian lives that in spite of our sin, God can still use us to accomplish his purposes. Now, that doesn't give us license to go ahead and do whatever we want in our Christian lives, but it does give us comfort because so often it seems like we try very, very hard to be of great service to God and live holy and dedicated lives, but we make mistakes. We struggle and wrestle with the sinful nature, uh, our old nature, our flesh. And uh, even through our imperfections, and sometimes uh, even in spite of them, God is uh, allowed to be magnified uh, in those things. The third point is that repentance involves much more than just lip service, but a changing of heart and a changing of actions as a result of that. The people of Nineveh here don't just say that they're sorry for what they've done, but they actually turn from their wicked ways and turn uh, and act rightly as a result of this. Point number four is that true repentance comes at God's reaching out to Nineveh. God initiates the work of Nineveh's reconciliation here. It's not as if the people of Nineveh initiate their repentance. And the same is true in regard to the believer in Christ. God acts out of his great love in the sending forth of his son. We love because he first loved us, and we are the recipients of his grace. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.